Thank you for downloading this episode of a History of Central Florida podcast. This is the podcast where we explore Central Florida's history through the artifacts found in local area museums and historical societies. This series is brought to you by Riches, the regional initiative to collect the histories, experiences, and stories of Central Florida, and the Orange County Regional History Center. I am Kendra Hazen, and I will be your host for today's episode titled Early Maps of Florida. When you find yourself lost, what do you do? Reach for your smartphones? Open a GPS app? Geographic information has not always been so accessible. 15th and 16th century European expeditions had to map the routes themselves, or use maps riddled with inaccurate information. This podcast will feature three 16th century maps of Florida that illuminate early cartographic processes and some of the first European experiences in Florida. Ben Huseman is the cartographic archivist at the library at the University of Texas, Arlington. Here, he introduces us to our first map and its publisher. It is from Abraham Ortelius's atlas. It actually was an addendum to the atlas. Uh, Ortelius was a publisher of atlases and a printmaker, and um, he actually did the first true atlas and uh, were very, very popular in different languages. Sometimes the first ones were in Latin, but then there were others in French and Spanish and German and Dutch, uh, all sorts of uh, uh, languages. One of the things that's important about his atlas is that he credited whoever made the maps, and he got the best sources he could for, for his maps. In 1570, Flemish cartographer Abraham Ortelius published this collection of maps under the title, The Theater of the World. This work, which later included our map of Florida, was instantly popular because it was made at a time in European history when printing and the rise of literacy coincided with the influx of fascinating stories, maps, and images of the New World. Although he never traveled to North America himself, or to most of the places mapped in his atlas, he did travel extensively in Europe to gather the best possible maps for his collection. Ortelius was not alone in this endeavor, Ben Huseman tells us about another map maker from the same time. Then another artist or another cartographer uh, who's involved in this production here is a fellow by the name of Cornelius Vietfleet, and he did a wonderful map. It was one of the first atlases. Actually, this at, this map is part of an of of an atlas of the New World, or or it's actually the history of the East and West Indies, in in French is what it means, and uh, it's an augmentation to the views of the world by Ptolemy, and so it's in 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 some ways it could be considered an atlas of the New World, but. It shows some wonderful uh, images. In this image of Florida, you can see how it is uh, uh, representative of uh, some of the information that they had picked up from other sources already. Like Ortelius, 
Vietvliet was a Flemish cartographer who relied on other sources to construct his atlas of the New World. In the mid-16th century, the process of creating these extravagant atlases was quite laborious. Yet, it was the printing guilds of Antwerp in the Netherlands that developed the artistic and technological process for creating these maps. Mr. Huseman describes the map printing process for us. They were made mostly by copper plate engravings. This was a, an intaglio process. Actually, they're made by carving into a copper plate, and the ink is uh, rubbed uh, into the carved areas away from the flat surface, and then this moistened paper is placed over the plate, and they are run through the rollers of a press. And where the plate is pressed, it presses, it, uh, the paper pushes into the engraved lines and the, uh, prints the image made by those lines. And it's in reverse. So uh, you have to draw it backwards on the plate in order to have it right when you want it to come out on the other side, uh, on the paper itself. Printers originally used silver or gold plates in this intaglio printmaking process until they discovered that copper plates would last longer and were cheaper. Mr. Huseman explains further why this technique and the use of copper was so successful. This process was ideally suited for maps because they could take the original plate, if they printed one edition of these maps, they could take that copper plate and they could rub it out uh, or uh, pound it out and smooth it in the area that they wanted to uh, change or update. As they got new information and realized their old maps were wrong, then they could change that on this plate without having to redo the whole map or the whole plate. And so it was ideal. You could print you know, about a thousand prints before it wore out and then they'd have to start over again. The fact that map makers created the ability to edit their engraved images says that they expected to make updates to their work. New sources of knowledge arrived when each expedition returned, and cartographers continued to improve their techniques for measuring distances and mapping coordinates. Another thing they had to do was to figure out, well, uh, about what latitude did this take place? That was another big problem, but the bigger problem was the longitude. How far east or west did this take place? And since they didn't have chronometers in those days, and those are clocks to help you keep track of the transits, it was even more difficult to determine how far east or west they were. Expeditions could be dangerous and difficult, and cost some people their lives. Lost with them was all of their knowledge and accounts of North and South America. This was nearly the case with our third map. In 1564, French naval officer Jean Ribault tried to establish a colony at the present site of Jacksonville, Florida. The relations with the indigenous peoples quickly dissolved. The French colonists revolted. Then the Spaniards attacked and destroyed the colony.
Artist Jacques Lemoyne de Morgue was among the few survivors. After he returned to Paris, Lemoyne recreated vast amounts of images and maps with our third cartographer. Mr. Hughesman tells us how our third cartographer created this map. One of the cartographers that did one of our maps is Theodore Debris, and he got his information from someone who had actually been to America, Jacques Lemoyne Lemorgue. And so what happens uh, when Jacques Lemoyne came back and drew a map from memory, he had to draw it from memory in this case, the cartographer had to figure out how to put that information onto a copper plate. And it was quite a process and quite a difficult uh, process. But he used a number of sources, not just Lemoyne Lemorgue, but he used uh, other informants. And he would read accounts. Uh, he had collected a lot of different accounts uh, from various travels and various voyages. By the mid-16th century, these accounts flowed in from many different European sources. Mapping and understanding the geography became a primary interest for European powers as they sought their claim in the new lands. Dr. Daniel Murphy from the University of Central Florida explains why Florida became so important in this scramble for accurate information. The thing about Florida, though, that the other reason it became important to figure out what it was and to map it was because it also became a, a kind of a shipwreck. Um, place or a center of shipwrecks. The Florida Straits were very treacherous and as Mexico was being colonized by Spain and the Caribbean in general, this was important because a lot of the, the bullion they were shipping back was going past this so they wanted to find out more about Florida. Then you get to the, 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 the other reasons. Well, a lot of people thought there might be riches there, there might be gold, there might be, um, the very least, there might be slaves you can obtain there, people you can trade with. And then, of course, there's always this ongoing um, hope there's some kind of passage, some kind of water passage through this either massive islands or this continent that um, will really you know, be a game changer in terms of imperial competition, in terms of imperial trade. Juan Ponce de Leon is often credited with discovering Florida in 1513. His first expedition to Florida explored and mapped this region. He returned to Puerto Rico under the impression that Florida was an island. Then, in 1519, Spanish explorer and cartographer Alonso Alvarez de Pineda further investigated and mapped the Gulf coastline. He disproved the notion that Florida was an island and that this region might hold the elusive passage to the east, known as the Northwest Passage. Five years later, Spain sent Portuguese explorer and cartographer Estevao Gomez to map the east coast of North America from present-day Cuba north to Canada. Dr. Murphy tells us how these expeditions would search for information, but return only with myth and legend. One of these Spanish expeditions up the Atlantic coast, and, and right around South Carolina, they encountered this very Atlantic world personality, a, guy, a Native American, who they designated as Francisco Chicora. And what Chicora told them, which was very common for natives that encountered Spaniards, was that if you just go a little bit further, you're going to find these bountiful lands, 
lands, uh, New Andalusia is what they, they called it. These lands where you can grow anything you want to grow, you can prosper, you can profit. This would be a great place to establish settlements, which of course caused many Spaniards to launch more expeditions. I, uh, many people wanted to form colonies, you know. Um, but it's just like El Dorado, it's just like all the other legends. It wasn't true. These riches, or at least these easy riches that, that were, were said to be up there weren't there. But just like El Dorado and Chicora and all the rest of them, they maintained, they persisted, even when the reality was seen to be different. So many people wanted to find it. So many people saw it as a good investment option back in Europe that people perpetuated and perpetuated these, these ideas. And this is what the Sotos did, all the explorers did. It was almost one of these situations where even if Chicora didn't exist, you couldn't admit that because then you're going to stunt this whole colonial enterprise. And there were too many people invested in it to kind of accept that reality. Produced as a result of the European search for more accurate information concerning North America, these maps illustrate the development of map printing techniques and the challenges faced by early cartographers and explorers. More importantly, they tell the story of the international exchange of cartographic information. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of A History of Central Florida podcast. For more information about the maps featured in this podcast, visit the Florida Historical Society at 435 Brevard Avenue, Cocoa, Florida, 32922. Make sure to join us for our next episode titled Spanish Mission Bell.